Hey, listeners, if you like this podcast, check out our other show, The Dinner Table. Listen to archive content and in-depth interviews with insiders and innovative people working with food. It's on our website, www.fredopi.com. Welcome to Study Table, a conversation about student-athletes with players, coaches, parents, and insiders. I'm your host, Fred Opie, a former Division I athlete and a college professor today. Mike Greer grew up in Massachusetts playing various sports, something he attributes to his development as a young hockey player. He went on to play hockey at Boston University, where he won a national championship in his sophomore year. He would go on to earn All-American honors for two consecutive years at BU before leaving school his junior year. Greer went on to play 14 seasons in the NHL, something that few people have done. Mike's father, Bobby, played football at Boston College and thereafter for the New England Patriots. Mike is a relative of NFL Hall of Famer Rosie Greer. Mike and I talk about what he considers best practices for youth sports and factors to consider when making the decision to leave college and go into the pros. Today, Mike is a scout for the Chicago Blackhawks and an assistant hockey coach at his alma mater, St. Sebastian's, an all-boys independent Catholic school in suburban Boston. Enjoy the show. When did you first start playing hockey? Um, I think I was around five. Um, I got an older brother, Chris, and he was playing, so just being the younger brother, I wanted to follow along and do whatever he was doing, so that's how it all kind of started. Are you the youngest in the family? Yes, just me and my brother. So uh, for my audience, everybody knows I have this theory that it's always the youngest sibling <laughs> that does the best. I'm the youngest, not bragging, <laughs> but we are trying to keep up with our siblings. And I think it probably does more than anything else to develop our skills uh, at a faster rate than other kids. Well, do you have any thoughts on that theory? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think um, I read that in the talent code as well. The guy um, said it's always looking back at Olympic sprinters and stuff, it's always the youngest sibling, and I agree. You, uh, you want to look you look up to your, your older brother or older sister, and you try and keep up, and you're playing with the older kids in the, in the neighborhood. I know I was. I was trying to play in every street hockey game or football game or baseball game that my, my brother and his friends were having, and I'm sure they got sick of me trying to get in the games, but I think it only helps you to play with older kids, and it kind of gets the competitiveness going at an early age. What's the difference in age between you and your brother? Five years. Five years. Did he go on to have a, a college or a professional career? Um, he played hockey up until high school, then he played football. He played football at UMass, and um, he's been in the NFL for like the last 20 years. He actually um, just got the GM job with the Dolphins. He's doing well, and I'm very, very proud of him. I think it's gotten away from kids playing other sports. It's been specialized too early. And kids are just playing year-round. And then you got tournaments all the time, and kids are hopping from team to team. And I think development kind of takes a backseat to everyone wanting to try and be on the best team instead of letting your kid develop at his own pace and his own time and go where there's good coaching and not worry about the wins and losses because I don't think the kids necessarily worry about them. The kids want to have fun, and, you know, if you win the league as a, a might, I think the kids probably forgot about it by May, and he's on to the next thing, but... I think the parents kind of get caught up in all that stuff. And being around USA Hockey, I know we have the third most, I think, 
youth hockey players in the country, but we're not producing anywhere near as the states like Detroit and New York and, and uh, Minnesota. I think we're way behind. So hopefully we can get things back on track, but I think it's a, it's a long road. If you had three uh, ideals about how to turn things around in youth hockey in Massachusetts, I think I'm hearing you say diversity of sports. Let them mm-hmm. stop the specializing. And do you think the specializing is coming from the parents or from the demand of the kids? I think it's more from the parents. I think everyone wants their kid to be the next Sidney Crosby or around here Jack Eichel, whatever it is, and they want that scholarship and and they start early instead of. You know, and I think when we were growing up, you were probably the same. You played, when it was winter, you played hockey. When it was fall, you played soccer. When it was spring, you played baseball or lacrosse. Like, you just went from from season to season and played whatever sport that was. But now it's, um, these kids are on ice all year round, and, and I don't think it's good for them. Uh, number two, I think I heard you say that there's too much emphasis on winning. Is That would be the other thing you would say to parents listening to this. Forget the winning. Let the kids have fun and develop. Yes, I think um, as long as they're having fun and they're developing and you're with someone who's a good coach who who has that environment where the kids can have fun and be themselves and express themselves on the ice and aren't getting yelled at and aren't getting sat down because the coach wants to win games and things like that, um, I think it's an important part of development and important part of kids staying with the game. Um, You know, if you're a kid and you're nine years old and your coach never lets you go out in the power play, eventually... You're gonna say, hey, when you're 12 or 13, you're gonna stop playing and go go do something else. Um, so I just think it's 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 much too serious at at an early age. It's all plenty of time for that when you get to high school and and college and so on, where the game gets a little bit more serious. But youth hockey, I think it should just be all about fun and development. And and the other thing I think I heard you say was, forget about the scholarship. The kid's five. The kid's yeah. seven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there's. I think there's so many examples, you know, I don't think my, my parents had any ideas or thoughts about uh, me playing college hockey. I know Keith Yandel's parents, who's pretty well, has been an all-star and with the Rangers now, I think his parents said, you know, we got to get find this guy a trade. Let's send him to vo- high school vocational school. There's many parents who just let their kids play, and if it happens, it happens. But you can't stress about that and, and start putting your kid in all these hours of training at such a young age, just hoping that maybe he's the one. I think if he's the one, he'll love the game and it'll show anyway. You don't need to really force it. I know you went to a private school, correct? Yes. Uh, Were you recruited by the coach to go there? Tell me about your experience. No, I think, I mean, I played, growing up I played soccer, uh, basketball, hockey, baseball. I ran track. I kind of did everything I could do just to kind of, stay active and I just loved competing so it went from there and um, I never you know I don't think I got recruited I think my parents wanted a kind of a better school situation for me um, and uh, with a smaller classroom and you know I think that with just an eye on getting into a good college not to not to play hockey it happened to happen to work out that it St. Sebastian's had a we ended up having a pretty good team so it, it worked out that way but you know around 13, 14, you know, I started to take it more serious, but I was still, at that time, um, still playing a lot of baseball. I guess when you get, once you get into high school and you start having a little bit of success, you start to take it a little bit more serious. I was just still playing because I love to play. You also mentioned the importance of having a, a good coach. So what would you say is a, is a great coach or one you've had? Well, all the good coaches I had growing up, I think they all just, 
kind of let us play. You know, they let the game be the teacher. You know, they let us be creative, let us have fun, let us make mistakes. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of yelling and screaming at us. People weren't getting benched for making mistakes or, or things like that. We all just wanted to go out there and, and have fun, and the coaches all let us let us do that. I think it was it was pretty unstructured for the most part. And, um, you know, that's that's what I, I try and do with my son's team. I try and let them, let them play and have fun, and the game will show them the mistakes they make. You don't have to have someone yelling and screaming out there and, and kind of losing their mind a little bit. So I think that's the, the best trait. You just want kids to be in an environment where they're happy to come to the rink every day, whether it's a game or practice. Uh, as, as a youth coach, tell me the type of parents that you enjoy having their son or their daughter on your team? You know, the best ones are the ones who just go to the games to support their kid and just kind of sit back and, and watch and aren't yelling and screaming at the refs or the other team or, you know, banging on the glass, yelling at their kid to shoot the puck or something like that. They're kind of just there to support their kid and, and enjoy the enjoy the game. And, um, you know, unfortunately, they're, they're kind of the, the rare ones in this day and age. You know, I, I also heard you mention parents who are literally strategizing which is the best team to get my kid on so he gets a look, as though he's going to get a look. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, some people seem to think that's the case. They're literally going to showcases all over the country. What do you think about what that does to the kid when you're jumping from one to the other? Yeah, I think it's tough socially. I think you can, you know, I've seen some kids who are now in high school who are a little bit socially awkward. They've never... Um, had a chance to really make friends and get the bond with their teammates because they're getting pulled from team to team. And when you know when you're a kid, it's tough to keep walking into a different locker room every year and mm. learn the kids and learn the coach and and uh, be comfortable and be able to relax and be yourself. So I think sometimes these you know these kids it kind of stunts them their development not only hockey wise but but uh, socially and it's it, it just doesn't make sense with all the money and scouting and all that th stuff that's around now if you're a good player you're gonna you're gonna get found someone's gonna see you um i don't think you have to travel all around and play all these games and tournaments hoping someone sees you someone's there's someone at every every game as you get older if you're a good player they'll find you it's not uh it's not like the 70s where there's one scout for all of new england so they might not see you now there's you know it's the rinks are are packed so i don't think you need to to rush and do all these things Yet we have parents who will go to tournaments literally on the West Coast, yeah. you know, in the Midwest. It's so from what you're saying, it, there's no need to. No, I I don't think you you got everything you need right here. I think um, you got you got good competition. There's lots of good players here, lots of good teams. Um, so for you to really step outside of New England to go do a showcase doesn't make any sense to me. I can understand if you want to go to play a tournament with your whoever your regular team is and go up to Canada and play some competition up there. I, I understand that, but to go play showcases and all over the country otherwise just just doesn't make sense. There's, there's just too much hockey around here. What are the signs that you need to switch the team because the coach, this is dysfunctional? Um, yeah, I know I, I see it, and I think it's, um, you know, for me, it's if, like you said, these if you're a 10 or 11-year-old kid and, you're barely playing in a game, you know, you're, whenever you play a good team, you know, you you get sat down, you don't play, if you don't ever get any power play time or penalty killing time, things like that, and the coach is playing the, you know, the same five or six forwards the whole game, and your kid's, you know, maybe the 
eighth or ninth forward on the team and he's just he's getting two or three shifts a period, then you know, it just can't be good for their development. They may be on a winning team and and all that stuff, which which, you know, may be great if if you're if you're into that you may team may win the league, but really when you think about it it's a wasted year for your kid if he's, you know, getting five shifts a game and and no no chance to build his confidence to make any plays. You know, it's um you know, those are just situations where I, I tell the parents, you know, it's it's better to be at this age to be on a team where you can be a part of it and and be in the mix and play a regular shift and have confidence and uh, you know, just be a be a a part or a bench warmer on a team that, that wins the league. It's play every play every position and then be out there in all situations. That's how they'll learn. That's how they'll they'll figure the game out. You know, you see too many people where you know, you got a seven-year-old kid and the parents say, well, he's a center. I mean, really, it's uh, it's kind of crazy. You know, I think it can only help kids skating-wise if you play some defense and see the game from that from that uh, perspective. And if you're a defenseman, it can only help your skills to have the puck more and play as a forward every now and then. So it's, um, you know, all that stuff needs to be mixed in and be part of the equation when you're, you're making a decision about what's best for your kid. Do you um, suggest to parents that if you have a, a, a town team or a town league to do it, even though the quality of it may not be better, but um, the socialization sounds like it's important to you. Yeah, I think it's good. I, I think, um, you know, especially, you know, mites and maybe, you know, your first year squirt, I think it's great to play town. You have some freedom to probably be a little bit more creative and, and um, have some, some success and be, have the puck a little more than, um, but unfortunately once, once you get, into your squirts if your kids are a good player you probably need to find a club team somewhere just because unfortunately town hockey is just isn't that great anymore and you're gonna want the want your um, kid to have some better competition to keep his development going we'll be right back for more interviews and related content go to www.fredopi.com ask questions on facebook at www.facebook.com backslash the Fred Opie Show and on Twitter at Fred Opie Show. For information about advertising on the show, please email us at fdopie at gmail.com. That's fdopie at gmail.com. Now back to the show. So you, you go to BU. Did you know what you wanted to major in back then? It was it was tough for me to figure out what what I really wanted to focus on and you know, looking back on it, I probably wish I took a little little firmer stance right off the bat and settled into something, but I you know, I found it a little bit tough at first. What was the biggest transition for you on and off the ice, your your first year at BU? Um off the ice was you know, kind of having the the freedom. You know, when you're at home, and you, I got my mom telling me to get up, to go to class. <laughs> and, I describe uh, your mom. Was she was she was she the drill sergeant type? Was yeah, she laid back type? Was uh, she type A personality? She was kind of quiet and strong. She, she was very very sweet with uh, you know all my friends. Whenever they came over, she knew exactly what they wanted. Was to she eat was she gave me the look? She gave me the yeah, look. Yeah, she gave me the look. So once you went to BU, uh, you're on your own. And I got all this time. Yeah. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, the time management. Um, 
whether it's getting up for class or it's um, studying every night, you know, it's you get to the point where you're you have practice and practices and the workouts or some stuff like you've never had before and the games start coming and you're you're kind of tired so you get home and it's it's very easy to say oh I'll study tomorrow so that you know that first semester was was I an eye opener and difficult how to how to manage your time and still get your rest and be able to compete and things like that because it's you know it's a whole different level of you know school school work school load and um you know, in the in the work at at the rink, you got to put in is on the ice and off the ice for training is um you know something I I'd never done before. So it was it was an overwhelming first uh, first exper- first semester. But how, how did you how did you you know negotiate it all? Yeah, I mean, um, the program always has study hall. You had study hall twice a week, which turned out to be a pretty uh, a pretty big help. For me, you Describe know. study hall for people. Uh, the name of my show is Study Table, oh, yeah. and it comes it comes based on my experience, yeah. both as a student athlete and then working as a graduate assistant with the basketball program mm-hmm. in Syracuse. What is study hall for parents who are clueless <laughs> or or players? Yeah. Well, we um, you know we would practice where where it was maybe four to five or whatever it is. We'd go eat eat dinner. Then you guys eat together in a training table. Um. Some sometimes, yeah, and other times we just go to the dining hall. It was kind of um, yeah the option or yeah the option, yeah, except on game days. All right, so for folks that don't know, training table is a separate meal to make sure that the guys are getting enough mm-hmm. calories or eating well, and it's something that most people would love to have the opportunity yeah. to. So mm-hmm. if you're at a top program, they're going to have a training table. Mm-hmm. It's one way you can see the school's commitment to the program mm-hmm. if there's not a training table. Yeah, yeah, it was always nice. Um, you know, to have that, especially the day of day of a game and on the weekends, um, day before a game, you know, have those team meals where everyone's together. And like you said, you can eat, eat properly and, and um, get everything you need to feel like you're you're ready for the game. Um, was that a challenge at all for you diet wise? Um, yeah, I mean, it was strict to be how strict it was, you know, um, you know, you had your your shakes and your protein and all that stuff. Yeah. The days of uh you know, at high school eating pizza the night before and <laughs> chicken fingers or whatever, you know, or they they were gone. You know, you get there and it's pasta, grilled chicken or steak and your vegetables, you know. But it was, you know, it, it turned out to be great. Yeah, great experience learning how to kind of take care of yourself and, and, and eat the right way and all that stuff. So it was, uh, it, it was a change for sure, but, it, you know, it's... It did, was, you, did you notice that the better players or upperclassmen... We're not going off on the junk food like you know, like we did in high school. Did you notice that? Right? Like, yeah, wait yeah. a minute, this is something different about these guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I was always impressed by how how fit the older kids were. You know, I think in high school you could kind of you were in shape, but you weren't in great shape. And you know, there's always a little bit of a divide between of the talent level, so you could kind of get by not being in great shape and kind of not eating well and all that stuff. So it was. It was an eye opener, and it's something you learned that if you wanted to be successful at that level, then you know you better be seeing what these guys are doing and and following the lead. And um, and and uh, you know we had Mike Boyle, who's a real good strength conditioning coach, and he was he was on top of us, especially the freshmen. He he rode us pretty hard to uh, make sure we're taking care of our bodies and eating the right stuff and drinking the right stuff and. Uh, which turns out to be, you know, it was, it was a real, real blessing to have him there as well. 
So you guys have practice roughly 90-minute practices? Yeah, yeah, anywhere early in the week, yeah, it's probably uh, about 90 minutes. Um, and then it, the closer you get to, to Friday to games, it yeah. kind of shortens, shortens up a little bit. So when You get off the ice, go eat, and then it's study hall. Yeah. So and, and, and who's supervising super study hall? Um, so our, the academic advisor. Sit there and you have your computer if you needed it and your, your books that you wanted to study that that night and kind of forced you to get your forced you to get your work done and which was uh which was nice and because you know probably if i was home i probably would have been on in bed watching tv or something so if you had a certain gpa did you get out of going to study table as they do at some schools or um, it was mandatory no it was, it's it's mandatory um right up until your uh senior year huh. and then uh senior year if you then they have it senior year if you're if you're getting good grades, then you don't need to go. Did you have, what was the transition on the ice for you? Um, it might have even been in a weight room, too, from what you Yeah, saying. yeah. I mean, I had to get in better shape starting the summer going in there. Um, become a little bit faster, I think. I had always been able to kind of rely on just my skill and being stronger than most kids. But when you get to college, you know, as an 18-year-old, you're playing against some guys who are 22, <laughs> 23. So I had to get stronger. I had to get faster. Um I had to increase my endurance, so so everything, and uh, and then just the practices is where you really had to earn your ice time. You know, it wasn't in high school. Coaches knew who the best players for the most part, and you were going to play regardless. But college, you had to earn you had to earn your ice time. You had to, and that started in practice. You had to compete every day in practice and show the coaches what you had and that you deserved to be out there and. So that was that was a good learning experience for me. It was, um, you know, every every day at practice we had fun, but it was, you know, it was com- highly <laughs> it was competitive. Business. Yeah. Did you come in as a cocky freshman? Yeah. No, I I knew I I um I had to put the work in. I had come in with a class of other kids who were full scholarship. I wasn't a full scholarship. I was a half scholarship kid. So right off the bat, I knew there was. There was kids ahead of me. And I think that's good for parents to know that most schools, I know in lacrosse, mm-hmm. and I'm, I don't know the case in hockey, but most lacrosse programs, top programs, they're splitting up those scholarships yeah. so they can get more kids. Yeah. It's the same thing in hockey? Yeah, yeah. You want to, uh, they get their two or three full guys a year than everyone Two or else. three out of yeah. a class of probably eight to come in? Uh, yeah, I mean, it varies every year how many kids are kind of leaving school with hockey and so whatever they have money, but... You know, it's usually two or three full ride kids, and everyone else is kind of grabbing the leftover. <laughs> grabbing the leftovers. This is important you know? because people at the at the youth level chasing these scholarships. You know, I tell people get yourself a good five twenty nine plan <laughs> or ESA and start saving for college yeah. because you're assuming there are full rides out there. Those are far between. Those, yeah. I mean, those are the top of the top of the top yeah. kids getting recruited like that. Yeah, no, and it's, there's not that many of them. No, it's 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 rare now and. Before, maybe, you know, you had a better chance around here because recruiting was so localized, you know, it was all New England. Maybe you'd step out and get a kid from New York or Michigan or something. But now they're getting kids from Canada all the time. Um, they got kids from Europe. So Oh, wow. You know, it's uh, the uh, hoping for a scholarship. <laughs> and the kids from Canada, kids from Europe, they don't qualify for federal funds or state funds so you have to fully fund those yeah yep if you want those guys they're they're coming on a on a full ride so in general the the scholarship dream is something that like you said parents should probably 
get out of there. I tell mind. him, you're better off investing in Russian math. <laughs> <laughs> you know, did, did, did all this hockey stuff. Yeah. Did you did your scholarship change as you as you did better on the ice? Yes. Um, so after my after my freshman year, Coach Parker, you know, he gave me the last three years, which was which was nice, and uh, it was a nice nice reward for the the work I put in, and and um, and nice for my parents too, who, you know, I had I had full scholarship offers to Providence and Lowell and 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 Maine, so it was nice for my parents who kind of stepped up and said, you know this is where you want to go to school and we think it's the best fit for you. Well, you know, we'll, we'll pay for it and, and go from there. So it was, it was nice of coach Parker. Your first year where you're, you're starting and did you change position from high school to college? No. Um, you know, growing up, I, I kind of played, I played D I played center. I played wing growing up, but then, um, you know, once I got to high school for the most part, I played wing and then, and you know, college and beyond, I, I played wing. So, um, I stayed that way, and my the first two games of my freshman year, I didn't dress. Wow! Yeah, this is a good story for people. <laughs> you know, this happened to me when that when I came off a of knee surgery going into Syracuse. I went to a junior college and then transferred. And first of all, I had these crazy illusions that Division One players are huge, so <laughs> I started eating like crazy. Anyway, I didn't say lifting like crazy; yeah. I said eating like crazy. So I got up from like one seventy eight. After surgery and more eating, I was like 210. And people were just yeah. flying around yeah. me. And I wasn't playing. Matter of fact, not only was I not playing, I was a scholarship athlete that other non-scholarship athletes were playing over. I got very depressed. Yeah. Did you at all go through that when you didn't dress the first two games? Um, I think uh, I didn't get depressed. I think I was, I don't think I was that surprised even. Okay. Um, I knew I had some, some work to do and just from the, you know, the practices and, you know, we had a couple exhibition games. Um, you know, I was kind of battling for, you know, the last spot to get in there. And it ended up going to a, a senior, ended up starting those those first couple games. Um, but, you know, it's it was fine. It's something that I think I it didn't hurt me. It kept the fire burning and the motivation to, to get in there. And to know once I, once I got in there, you know, I better no matter what happens when I'm in there, I gotta, I gotta keep going to keep my spot or else, you know, I'm going to be back out watching it. And I don't think I'd ever in my life ever been told for a game, <laughs> you're not, pl- you're not playing, you're not good enough to play ever. So it was good motivation. So, it, and, um, you know, I, and I believe in that to this day, I think if you're not you mean, playing, you're not one of those guys where every, every kid should get a trophy <laughs> yeah, and, every no. kid, and never say any negative feedback to them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not with the uh, the participation trophies. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not on that. So, so you know, having a setback that like playing is could be a very positive thing. Yeah. It, it doesn't all have to be roses. I'm here. Yeah. No. I I think it's. I think it's great. Um. You know, you need some motivation. You need some fire to. And I, and I think it's part of. Uh, I believe that if you want to play, play more play better. You know, I think you shouldn't have anything handed to you no matter who you are or, or what you've done before. I think you need to earn your ice time or whatever sport you're whatever sport you're playing. I think it needs to be earned. So if you if you have a I think nowadays people are too quick to blame the coach. Oh, I'm not playing. Coach doesn't like me. Say that again. <laughs> yeah. The coach doesn't like me. That's why I'm not playing. You know, believe me, coaches My get my kids getting a raw deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially as you're older, coaches Coaches want to win. There's 
there's no the coach doesn't like me. So if you're not playing or not getting the ice time, it's, then play better and, and you'll get out there. I'm a, which is something I'm a, a firm believer in. Did you outplay somebody in practice? Did somebody get hurt, which gave you the opportunity? What happened? Or when you think about it, um, looking back, I think I think coach just wanted to reward me from for okay. working hard in practice and staying positive. And I think he saw the effort I put in over the summer to try and get stronger and get in better shape, and then kind of continued into the preseason. So I think we maybe lost lost one of those first. I think lost the second. This is your game. freshman year. Yeah, still. we lost the second game. So I think maybe he just said, "I hey, will." throw him in there and see see how he does and just took the opportunity and and ran with it from there and worked my way up to the third line got a lot of ice time you know the last half of the year you know ended up having a having a pretty good year and and then by your sophomore year it sounds like you totally knew what the expectation was and I know that was it took me a year to adjust mm-hmm. there was there was a lot of there was a lot of things I could get away with in yeah. high school mm-hmm. uh, a lot of lunging a lot of things like mm-hmm. that and I think that year, I, I came back, I was on fire. Similar situation? Yeah. You? you know, I knew what to expect. I knew what I had to do in the summer. But I also had the confidence that, you know, I could be a good player in that league. And um, sophomore year, couldn't have gone better from a, you know, a personal personal level to a team level. You know, we, you know, I had a great year. and Running running second or first? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I was on the first line. I was ended up all American uh, finalist for the Hobie Baker. Oh, your sophomore year? Yeah. Wow. And, and we and we won the national championship. Can you tell so. people what the Hobie Baker is for those who are not <laughs> hockey folks? The Heisman of hockey. Now you go into your junior year. Another great year for you. Um, it was good. Not as great. Not as good as the sophomore. Yeah, because because as... now everybody knows who the heck you are. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. It was a little bit. You know, you had some more expectations than the team. Yeah. Had a little bit different dynamic, and we weren't, as a group, I don't think we were quite as hungry. I think that going into the sophomore year, we lost in the championship game yeah. the year before, so we were really focused that year, and I think we got by on talent alone a lot my junior year, and we ended up losing um, in the Final Four, but it was a different year. Was, so you got drafted your sophomore year after that, that great year? Um, no, I got drafted out of high school, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At that point, there was no consideration. I'm not. No, I, I mean, I was like, I think the 219th pick. So it was kind of, they threw a dart. So sophomore summer, they tried to get me to leave school. And I didn't want to leave school. When when pros are trying to get a, a kid to come out of school, what are they doing? Well, I mean, they're they're basically selling the, the dream. Everyone's, you know, if you're playing in college and so they come at you and try and tell you, you know, this is an opportunity for you and we'd love to have you and you know, you'll be making this amount of money and whatever. So do they actually put, put stuff on paper? No, we just talked to the co- the coach and the GM and they kind of, you know, just expressed, you know, they were hoping I would sign, but I, you know, I told them I want to get a year closer to my degree. And I also felt like I wasn't quite ready that I still had some things to work on and some development to do at the college at the college level and um and I just didn't feel like it was it was the right time after I talked to them they they, <laughs> they traded me a month later oh so, really interesting yeah. sophomore year I got a you know I got an agent or a family advisor once I once I got my rights so he was in touch with them so it kind of just came coach parker you know he kind of told me it was it was time for me to go that he thought I was ready and yeah, he was very supportive, which made any decision I I had to make a lot easier for him getting his blessing. So, just went from 
that into the season and um we just negotiated contract and that was it next next summer and and head off to camp in uh in the fall what do you say advice wise to help that person decide and let's say they don't have a college coach who has their best interest at heart what what are the factors that you would say to somebody stay in school or go i think it's important for them to look at everything where they are as far as their academics are and how important that is to them and their family and also where they most importantly i think it's where they fit in on the team's depth chart say you're looking at the penguins or whoever it is and you see you got crosby and malkin at center and and you're a center and you're and they're telling you to leave school and you you kind of got to look at that where there's not really a spot for me there so is it is it worth it to to leave school to to try and go play but end up playing in the minors for two or three years waiting did you for go chance. straight to the to the nhl or were you in the minors for a while? i went straight i okay. went straight i was lucky enough to do that and they were kind of in rebuilding mode so okay. they went young so that would be the main thing to make sure you're ready for the grind of of the pro pro game you know it's it's you go from college where it's a family environment and you're with your buddies and to pro where it's it's a job you're grinding on the road and the guy next to you might be eating lunch with you, but he'll take your job in a second. You know, if it comes down to him not playing or you playing, he'll he'll do whatever it takes for him to him to play over you. It's a lot, so I think you got to make sure you're ready for that physically, it's as well and mentally. Because what you just described to me, I see even as coming out of high school. If I'm getting recruited by somebody, I'm a defenseman. How many of the defensemen are already yeah. there? Mm-hmm. Who else are they recruiting? Yeah, you know, I think that's that's important thing. Or or Coaches, is that something you could figure out on your own just by doing some research? I or do they, have to, do they have to come clean? If you watch enough, you can kind of figure out where you might fit in. They got seven defensemen on scholarship who are all soft, you know, freshmen and sophomores, and you're, maybe you think, there's no room for me. I always ask the people I interview uh, books that they're reading or they've read that you say, this would be a great book. It doesn't have to be a hockey book, but something that's going to help a parent or player uh, get ahead in life and have some uh, a sharper edge than their competitor. The talent code, I, th- I find. The I talent f- code. Well, I really enjoyed it. It's about how hard you have to work to master a skill, and if you want to get better at something, it, it takes practice and hard work, and that's that's the uh, point of the book. You know, I tell kids who always say, oh, I want to shoot the puck better. And I say, well, you sh- go out and shoot 50 pucks a day, your shot will get better. There's no there's no secret. Right now I'm, I'm reading Leading from... Uh, by Sir Alex Ferguson, the Manchester United oh, yeah, soccer that, coach, it, which is very good. You know, he's got some really good insight and advice and, you know, working with people. Who would you want to coach your child? That's a good question. I would say I like Mike Tomlin on the Steelers. You know, he's fired up on the sidelines. He's enthusiastic. He's always high-fiving the players and shows his intention, intensity and you can see the players all love him. You know, they're all high-fiving him back and hugging him, and he seems like a, pr- a pretty good guy and, and a good a good coach that uh, that players enjoy playing for. Let your kids have fun. Have fun. That's the main thing. Let them enjoy the game and grow their love for the game, and anything after that that happens is, is gravy. I say amen to that one. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Check out our podcast archive, suggest show topics, and advertise on the show. And to book me as a guest and or speaker, 
visit our website, www.fredopi.com. That's www.fredopi.com. Thanks for listening and be good.